I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast, the world's number one guitar podcast. I am your host, Joe Brenton, joined this week by Matt Knight. Good afternoon, Mr. Joe. Good hello. Good hello, Matt. Um, how are you? How are you? You ready for a podcast? I'm always ready for a podcast with you, Joe. The hmm. rocking twosome hmm. um, of, of Matt and Joe about to dive in some right old nerdage we are we are going to dive into some extreme nerdery we said i think we said last week on the podcast i can't remember if we said on the podcast or the patreon but we said we were going to talk a little bit about cool old vintage electro harmonics pedals because i'm on a bit of a pedal kick yeah at the moment uh, so we're going to talk about those at some point there have been some weird fenders that have come out i've i've had an amp that's come out well no you know i've i've helped ashdown make an amp that got released and um uh, we're going to talk about the acoustics that you, dear listener, were helping me narrow down. I had some great messages from people uh, helping me out with suggestions for acoustics. I had some rubbish suggestions from people as well, but that's okay. I forgive you. They <laughs> <laughs> um, can't and... all be winners. <laughs> no, no, exactly. Exactly. But first of all, um, I want to talk about the wonderful um, and super duper globally famous Denmark Street, the absolute home and hub of uh, cool guitar shops of the past. Because, of course, it was only really, it was like inside of a year ago that there was a particular shop on Denmark Street that Ashdown were leasing and we did like that little evening event with Guy Pratt and stuff and uh you know we all, you, you, you know you you came down all the nerds came down we had a beer and you know checked some stuff out but now that shop's changed completely Matt indeed because I am pleased to announce not that it's much of a secret anymore um but uh, yeah, Roland have opened our first kind of retail store, I guess. The kind of Roland experience, um, you know, as we say, the best place to experience Roland and Boss products uh, in the heart of London. It's um, a great idea because you've got the uh, you've got the catalogue for it, really. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, what guitar, bass, drums, you know. Yeah, f- few other, everything. few other brands have enough to fill a shop you know f- f- you know f- completely with something of nearly everything so 
Yeah. So, I mean, this is, you know, it's kind of been soft launched at the moment. There's not been a kind of official press release or, or anything yet, but obviously you can literally walk on the store and uh, walk down the street and see it. Um, but yeah, no, it's, um, I actually worked there on Saturday, kind of put my retail boots back on after nearly six years away wow. from working in a store. And it was great fun. I was like, maybe I should. Maybe I should work in a shop again. Um, <laughs> shall we was, go back to Gak, Matt? Shall we? Shall we go back? <laughs> Open our own store. Um, no, it was it was really good. Um, and I think, you know, for anyone listening, if you're in London, um, obviously, probably, as you say, people would know Denmark Street, a huge amount of history, almost 100 years of history. Started off as the street where all the music publishers were that went into sheet music. Guitar stores in the 60s, obviously, Orange had their first store there. Um, you know, Macari's, which obviously unfortunately recently departed from there. Many stores have been on that street for a very, very long time. I think Rose Morris have been on there since mm. the 50s or 60s. Yeah. You know, so much has happened on that street. Um, but people will probably know that the street itself has been in somewhat of a decline over the last kind of decade. Um, but it turns out that um, there's been one person sort of like, buying up the property i guess and then turning that into um turning that into what the street is now becoming so tottenham court road station has gone under a massive redevelopment because of uh crossrail so now that you can get across london super quick on the new um elizabeth line and uh so tottenham court road has been part of that and a company called alternet has is basically redeveloping the entire of denmark street so as you come out, there's a whole new street. The back of it has all been uh, knocked down and rebuilt. It houses like Europe's largest set of media screens. Um, yes, they do. There's like open media stuff that you can just walk into on yeah, Denmark yeah. Street itself and on it as part of that outernet.com building that's right next to the station. Yeah, it's um, they, had, they were testing one that was like floor to ceiling like screens um and then you can basically walk straight through from Tottenham Court Road station basically onto Denmark Street now which you couldn't do before you had to walk around uh and there's a huge tunnel that's all screens and um they were playing like some Eno-esque ambient music and then like the colors would change like it was like falling leaves and then the leaves anyway that's super cool and then yeah you see that and our our shop is directly opposite which is also very cool because you can make it light up in different colors um so uh yeah it's got a whole uh, you'll like this show it's got a whole like uh dmx midi lighting rig oh, in yeah. there so uh <laughs> you know if you're uh you know if you're like trying some boss stuff i can hit the little boss button the whole shop turns blue for you or you know if you're <laughs> looping i can make it red and green um but no seriously a great place to come and try basically everything in one space well, that's what um, I was going to ask. You know, what what have you got there? Have you got every pedal? Like, is it now? much, yeah. I mean, that's very good. That's very good. If you're thinking about buying any Boss pedal, you know there's now a place where it's guaranteed that you can go and check yeah, it out. Yeah, it's, it's, it really is like an experience base. That's what we're sort of driving. So, like, there's five drum kits of all the range. There's everything from our most expensive grand piano to our basic home pianos. All of our dance and DJ equipment, you know, our wind instruments that we do, um, electronic wind instruments, all of our synths. Uh, there's a coffee bar there. If you go in really nicely and talk to the to the team there, I'm sure they'll make you a coffee. Um, and yeah, it's just a really cool, small, but just a really cool little retail space. And in the boss area, 
all the katanas, all the bass amps, all the pedals, all the pedals are hooked up to uh, IR200, so you can hear them in headphones or you can go straight to the back of an amp. Um, We've got a little tablet set up so you can actually have some DI audio running through the pedals into an amp. So if you don't want to play, basically someone can play for you and uh, you can just turn on a distortion pedal and tweak it in real time, uh, which is very cool. So you can actually demo what loads of pedals sound like together. It's a great way to kind of go, don't just need a distortion. I also need a delay and a phaser and stuff like that. But it's um, it's really good fun. It's really good fun. So if you're in London, please go and check it out and, and give us your feedback. And uh, yeah, be a nice little um, space moving forward, I think. That's very cool indeed. Do you, do you have uh, the jazz choruses there? Is it, is it just uh, there katanas? Is, no, there is a JC40 there, I think. I think we're trying to get basically as much as one of everything. So there's obviously, you know, from a Roland, um, from a boss perspective, you can basically go in and try pretty much everything. Um, so there's still a few things that need to be put out. Um, we've only been open a week. We opened sort of, uh, yeah, soft opened last Saturday. Uh, and it's open Tuesday to Saturday at the moment. No Sundays and Mondays, 10 till 6. Um, and if there's something there that's missing, obviously we can always try and get it in um, for you to, to demo as well. But yeah, very, very cool indeed. Isotope and Native Instruments have teamed up to create the start-to-finish bundle that home recording guitar nerds have been waiting for. Plus, you, dear listener, get an extra 10% off with guitar nerds by using discount code NERDS10 at the checkout on isotope.com. From the creative spark to the final touch, their new bundles include pretty much everything you could possibly need, which is great because it's far too easy to sink hundreds of pounds and a big chunk of your time into just picking up random plugins. The music production suite 4.1 and Complete 13 bundle contains over 30 intelligent mixing, mastering and repair plugins, 65 premium instruments, 20 plus expansions and over 35,000 sounds. And if that's a bit basic for you, they've also bundled Music Production Suite 4.1 with Complete 13 Ultimate, which gives you everything that makes Complete 13 incredible, plus a colossal library of added synths, sampled instruments and effects. 115 plus premium instruments and effects, 39 native instruments expansions and over 65,000 sounds. It sounds like a lot. It is. It's very good, very comprehensive. And as we've come to expect from Isotope, it's very good value. If you're looking to get into home recording, I cannot recommend it more highly. And if you're already into home recording, it it really is the one-stop shop for making what you do sound better. This podcast is entirely treated and produced using Isotope plugins, and Native Instruments have been responsible for almost every synth or sample you've heard on our Guitar Nerds jingles. Check out their great new bundles on isotope.com or follow links in the description of this podcast and use discount code NERDS10 at the checkout for 10% off anything in the Isotope arsenal. Hmm, that is that is exciting. Um, I was, you know, from, from last week, I was talking about the, the pedal board that I ended up with where I ended up, you know, essentially adding a, a whole bunch of boss pedals onto my board. And I was kind of looking at... I had a space. I was like, what to get on something called Vintage because I loved the OC2 so much. And I was looking at the Touchwar, um, the old Touchwar. But that kind of led me on to like looking at trying to look up blogs and things for 
discontinued maybe sleeper boss pedals you know to see what was out and about and there there are some interesting pedals that i definitely haven't come across before which i'm sure matt you have spoken yeah. about in in the past on this podcast and, and maybe i've just forgotten of course one of the ones that comes up in a lot of the blog articles i was finding whether you know all like the top 10 coolest discontinued boss pedals those sorts of things yeah um was the fbm1 the fender 59 basement i got, yep. of course i remember that quite well from uh, um from our gap days because there were two fender boss collaborations right there was, uh, a... there was three actually oh, so the three. fbm1 which was the basement which the, is just a preamp uh we had the fdr1 which was the 65 deluxe reverb and then we had the fr FRV one, which is the 63 reverb tank. Oh, the, I see. So the reverb tank, the FRV one, is the um, the kind of crazy high-valued boss pedals um, at the moment, like second-hand. Really? Pedals. Right. Well, again, I think, you know, they have great pedals. Um, I think the FRV one, the reverb, was probably a bit of a sleeper hit. Yeah, and, um, it was definitely on a lot of boards, I think, you know, shortly after it was discontinued. Yeah, I think it just, um, it's one of those things I think, yeah, probably was made, I don't know the full history, but I think it was made obviously like in contract with Fender, so it was only made for like a certain amount of time. And mm. then after that, obviously discontinued. And then, um, yeah, the, the reverb, because it's got that kind of real splashy spring thing, and it does it so well. Um, and then, yeah, it just became hard to get hold of. And um, they go for like crazy money. And I think it was, I think it was last year or the year before, there was like a retailer in Germany that like found an entire box of them, like in their warehouse. And they were like, we've just found a whole box of FRV1s and they're all going <laughs> online right now. And I think they listed them at like 299 and they were like Ooh. sold out like instantly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think there's one, there's one on a uh, good old reverb right now for 230 pounds. Um, I mean, it's not bad on pedal money, but for boss pedal money, that's pretty premium. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, interestingly, there's a lot of boss pedals now reaching, you know, I would say that eight, nine years ago, most boss pedals were secondhand to a dead cheap, apart from things like yes. the SP1, the SG1, you know, the kind of sure, the, the sure. first ones. But but a lot of them would really be on the £100 mark or yeah, under. Ab yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think that is, that has massively shifted now. And I think yeah. that's just due to the, kind of the rise in the brand and you know i think one thing and, and, and i don't mind you know saying this on the podcast but we, we all met yoshi i think i can't remember if you were there as well joe i definitely remember jay and mark being there and we met yoshi before he uh who knows yeah who knows before um just as he became boss president i think it was about seven years ago and a couple of years right. before i started at roland and i was like i'm the boss biggest the biggest boss fanboy but the brand is seen as to be so uncool by so many people and you know yoshi and we've talked it used about to it be on, you mean yeah, it used to be used, yeah used, you know that's that's how it, i think it was you know eight yeah, eight yeah. years ago i mean yeah, yoshi talked sure, yeah. about it on the talk with boss and you know he went away and kind of did the waza thing and a bunch of other things and kind of you know we spent a long time just sort of 
building the brand. And do you think the wilds had changed things, or do you think it happened before then? Um, I think that was certainly a catalyst. Um, because I think the Wilder pedals, you know, interestingly, I think, uh, you know, I would say personally that things were probably being a bit too safe. And I right. think, you know, we needed to do something. Not not a know, brand that had ever looked at their heritage, especially. Well, I think the thing is, And well, this allowed them to. I think the thing is, is that, yeah, the ethos is never like, it's not to. It, it, it's to take inspiration from the past and your heritage and make something new, not reissue something that's already been done because that's right. been done. And, you know, the, that's why the Wilds pedals aren't, uh, you know, they're not a reissue. They're not a straight no. out copy. Um, but, yeah, no, I think, interestingly, you know, Boss really has seen a revival in the new and in the used market. Um, and a lot of pedals that were, I mean, you know, it's it's interesting, really. You know, you look at, you know, things like PS2 or PS3, you know, and obviously they get picked up in a scene like, you know, in, in the kind of math scene and, and your thing. And they just go for like yeah. crazy money. FZ2, you know, way before we did the FZ1, you know, everyone's like, oh my God, FZ2 is the first pedal to get, yeah. you know, and that changed in the space of like a year. I mean, I bought mine in Japan for the equivalent of 40 pounds. And I think now they're like 250 quid. You know, you can't buy yeah. them for that. You know, for a while you couldn't buy them for like, Money. The, um, the the boss ps2 i think was was one that had a, a big old impact in in the math scene mm. um and and kind of now i think they go for around i'm just looking now they go for around 120 130 pounds yeah um, i think the thing is is there's not many boss pedals just think remember there's not many boss pedals where we didn't make like I t- you know, the tiniest we've ever made is the TB2, and that was, you know, whatever, you know, 3,000 units. Yeah, it know. almost doesn't count, though, the TB2. No, but most pedals, I think the shortest production run was, yeah, the Extortion, the XT2. Oh, my goodness, that's the one I'm looking at right now ah, that I was going to talk about next. The Boss XT2 Extortion. I know nothing about this pedal. Um, I, I mean, it's got a contour and a punch control, I, so I don't know, is it kind of rat uh, yeah, exactly. I think that was the. I think was it the XT2. I'm gonna be. I'm sure someone's gonna correct me. There was the XT2, and then no, I'm thinking of XT2. We made for a bit longer. It was the right. oh P Power Driver, the PW. Oh yes, I remember the Power Driver. That was your version of a Marshall stack the power driver it was supposed yeah. to be that sort of thing because i remember you did the, the commercial with the gallows guitarist no you're thinking of the st2 which was the power oh, stack this is the, oh, power, the power stack yes this so, is yeah. the power driver and interestingly <laughs> right, okay. one on reverb nearly 300 quid we only made that for nine months and we only made it for nine months because it was like a massive <laughs> failure not to say it's a bad <laughs> pedal pedal at all but, you right. know, we only made that for nine months and the controls on that were, um, I think, kind of quite, if I remember rightly, I'm just going to have to bring up a picture of it. Yeah, level, fat, muscle and drive. Um, and I think that was supposed to be more of the kind of rat style thing. And then we also had the XT2. Yeah, level contour punch and distortion again, and it's in it's in like a really bold sort of Dakota red 
dear mm. listener, uh, with a with a black back panel. Yeah, um, I think that I can't even remember the nineteen ninety. I mean, again, quite short, nineteen ninety six to nineteen ninety. Yeah, I mean, it's extortion, but it's spelt with an X, so that's nineties for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think um, <laughs> the nineties, the time for misspelling things. Yeah, so again, you know, very much, you know, me and, and if you're interested, uh, me and, and uh, Yoshi have done quite a lot of live streams on the Boss channel um, where we've talked about, you know, Boss and, and these sort of things. And It's on the YouTube, right? On the Boss It's YouTube. on the Boss channel on YouTube. Yeah, it yeah. talks a lot about, you know, a lot of pedals being made very much for the time and the scene of music at that time. Of course, you know? of course. And then obviously, you know, some things just take off and become legacy and, and some things don't, but find their interesting with boss, I think of finding their second wind now, you know, and I think, right. I think that's because it really fits into the collector's thing. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? There's a lot, you know, there's some great proco. Yes. Or you can go out there and buy lots of different types of the same pedal rat, you know, for example. Yeah. But with boss, there's 125, compacts you can go out and find <laughs> you know oh, it's like yeah. generation one pokemon there's like a hundred a <laughs> hundred and twenty five originals plus you've got all of the you know potential variations you know dm2 had two different chipsets and right all that sort of stuff um but yeah there's some there's some cool stuff i mean if i had to pick i mean i do love the ps2 i think the ps2 is wicked and i think what was the difference between the ps2 and the ps3 do you remember um i got a feeling that they were very similar and there was yeah. only minor changes between the two. Yeah. It was one of those ones where it was like, we made the two and then we, because the, the DD2 and DD3 are also very, very similar and they were right. released okay. not that far apart. Um, but so the PS2, I think it probably had, it was 1989 my goodness no, no, no. what Which, 1989 the first, glitch sounds in 1989 well, that's considering the first digital delay was the dd2 in i think like 1987 you know well um, wait 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 no no because the dsd2 the digital sampler delay was 1985 oh or maybe or, or am i thinking 84 oh, maybe yeah but yeah the dd2 was first and then obviously everything else from that so i think there was ps3 i think just up- more modes on it yeah i think a few different modes a few updates and i think they'd also managed to reduce the size of the so interestingly interest story about the ps2 um which you can find in the uh boss book the discontinued boss how leonard book was that at the time it had more components in it than any other pedal that we made. And it's actually two circuit boards. Um, and I spoke to the engineer that actually worked on the design. And uh, he was like, yeah, we were sort of like effectively locked in a room to try and get all these components to fit on inside oh a compact. Goodness. And actually, if you take a PS2 out of the box, there's one component that like hangs off the edge of the circuit board because it's the <laughs> only way they can make it fit. Um, but the PS2, yeah, same and PS3, same as the RPS10 um what was the book that you mentioned that how leonard did a book called the boss book which is uh discontinued now i think they discontinued it in the early 2000s but um definitely worth trying to pick up one if you can it's uh, a wicked little book um loads of great stories loads of great uh 
you know, interviews and stuff about the brand and, and things like that as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I would say, yeah, PS2 I love because it's, it's weird and it's glitchy and it was ahead of its time. Um, RV3 is the kind of real shoegazy, that's the delay reverb. Oh, yeah. And that's got all oh, the kind okay. of like... I didn't know you ever did, did a delay reverb. Yeah. So we did a delay reverb RV3. Um, I've got a DSD2. Uh, which is cool because yeah, you can you can like use it as like a mini, like two hundred millisecond sampler, so you can kind of get some like stuttery sort of effects in it. Um, but it's difficult because so many of our compacts have like never been discontinued. So, right, I don't know, don't know. We, uh, yeah, can't, I'm, can't I'm trying pick to a, can't pick a favorite. Can't pick a favorite because that's what I want. I basically want to. I, I want some advice on something I should get and try that's maybe a bit weird and wonderful. Well, you've spoken about the digital metalizer before, the yes. MZ2. Um, bit of a hidden what, gem. Again, what? they're all hidden gems. Um, <laughs> digital metalizer is analog drive, digital stereo chorus. Um, oh, my goodness. That <laughs> sounds so incredibly um, 90s. Uh, yeah, again, just very much that sort of you have to run it in stereo because it's... And it's a... Oh, you do? Okay. And it's a well, black pedal to, with blood red writing. Yeah, you don't have to, but... Right, um, but you're, miss it, you're, you're missing the it. The idea is that you run it in stereo and it just sounds like, yeah, the ultimate in uh, 80s distortion. I see. Um, but yeah, that's cool. I mean, it depends what you want, really, Joe. Like, if you want drives, then well, you know. well, this is okay. So this this kind of brings me on to something else. Is basically what I ended up doing. Now I still want to get a touchwire, but I actually found that the Boss MS3 has a very good touchwire. I just I'd, I'd never used it before. I always used the AutoWire, which, to be honest, is only okay. But the touchwire. Uh, is actually very good on the MS3, so I'm, uh, that that thirst is slaked a little bit for me at the moment, um, and I ended up spending that that spare gap on my pedal board um, on an HM2 Wazercraft nice. uh, pedal. Yes, so I, I really recently, I don't know. I think it's because it's called the heavy metal. I've always written it off as being, you know, probably not very good or not. No, that's wrong. Not the sort of sound I want. That's anything that's using, you know, metal in its name is clearly not going to be for me because I I just think of all the scoopy metal tones. I'm like, well, that's not what I want. Um, and of course, like we mentioned uh, on on last week, that I've been working with KMA pedals and they do a couple of HM2 style pedals as well. So I've been making videos for those, and it's the first time really I've given HM2 style pedals the time of day. And since plugging those in, I was like, wow, th it is actually really good. And more interestingly enough, really good on bass. And because I've got the Wazacraft HM2. The custom setting on it gives it a much broader, even though you've just got those two bands of EQ, the custom setting means that they're so very broad that if you boost all that low end, it kind of replaces the need for having a blend control on the pedal. Right. And actually just sounds fantastic. And and the sort of the the harmonics and the sort of the the sustain on on the drive from that pedal is absolutely amazing. I know it's got a, a purpose. I know the Swedish Chainsaw thing. I know Dave Gilmore's doing his sort of thing with it. But as a big bass guitar drive, I absolutely love it. It's 
fantastic. Well, I think it's important to remember that actually the, the amount of gain on tap is way less than anything else that came after it. You know, very, right. very much a kind of more lower gain pedal where everything was obviously then turned up to max and then run into the front of a kind of solid state Marshall. That's the the chainsaw sound, if you were. Yeah. If you will. But yeah, actually, the actual drive circuit is not as gainy as the the pedal that came after it, which was you had the hyper metal after that, and then obviously the metal zone after that. So really, in terms of gain, I think it was Boss's sixth or seventh distortion pedal, and definitely gainier than things that had come before it, but not as gainy as as things are now. No, no, I, I, I not want to use the word transparent with it, but it's it's not as all or nothing as you as you'd think. Mm, when, when I when I thought about using it for bass, I thought, well, I'll you know, it's difficult to know, isn't it? For for any dear listener, if you're a bass player, you'll know it. everything sounds great when you plug it in at home, but you never really know until you're in a band practice and all the sub sort of drops out when you switch on the pedal that's mm. that's the point that you know whether the, whether or not the pedal works on bass mm. um so i was looking around on blogs and things and some people obviously in quite heavy bands were talking about it as an always on kind of preamp sort of thing which which obviously is an extreme but i found gain at like nine o'clock and then you know low end at three o'clock treble at nine o'clock actually sounded fantastic for you know a, a not too ridiculous over the top but a proper big sounding bass drive and uh, i just yeah I'm, I'm really into it i think i could get into hm2s well there you go sometimes you've just got to try and put your mind aside and your preconceptions aside and just huh. plug it in there you um, go um but what is the fuzz that you love so much is it the hyper fuzz? yeah the fz2 the FZ2? The FZ2 is just yeah, I mean, actually, I've got to say, the FZ1, which is a fuzz we did recently, I've got that on my Boss demo board at the moment on my BCB1000, and that thing absolutely rips. It's amazing. Um, and, and because it's so dynamic to your volume control, it's not sensitive to input impedance. You don't have to worry about where you put it in the chain or buffers or anything like that. And it's just, you know, it's got all the gain you could want, but you can really dial it back and you can play around with your volume control. Um, the, the difference with the FZ2, the Hyperfuzz, is that it's very much, um, well, originally got its kind of break, um, I think probably after it was discontinued, when Electric Wizard used it for uh, their album, Seminal Doom album, Dope Throne. Um, and it just, you know, just super insanely heavy, like, distortion sound. Uh, discontinued way back in uh, 1977. It's very much like supposed to be a 60s, 70s kind of fuzz, so very much like a Univox super fuzz, I guess, is the closest thing people say to it. So it's got that kind of upper octave thing. Hmm. Um, Yeah, you've got two fuzzes, and then you can um, disengage the fuzz and just use it as a boost. Very nice. Um, But yeah, the FZ2, awesome, awesome pedal. I I would say... if you wanted any, oh, it's difficult. If you were going to buy anything from a Boss range, if I had to tell someone to buy one vintage Boss pedal, what would it be? Hmm. I mean, FZ2 from a drive perspective, because I think it's so interesting. Right. I mean, part of me would say OC2, but I think really I'd just say go and buy an OC5. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I've you know, I love the OC2. I think the OC5 is great. I just love the cool simplicity yeah, of the OC2. I, um, and again, I think there's a few things that now we do in the WAS version and things like that. I'm like, actually, you could just go and get that. I mean, again, I would say, like, I, I still love my DD3. Do you know, I leave it on, like, 99% of the, really? the time, wow. you know. Just I, as a subtle yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. I, actually, I tell you what, I've got one, and it's just came up, and it's not, it's still a current product. It's an absolute hidden gem, and I think people who know me will know. If uh, you say the overtone. No, I'm going to say <laughs> the TE2 Terra Echo. I think oh, that, so same same era though as the overtone. Yes. They came out as a pair, didn't yes, they? The so Terra Echo the and the overtone. Hundred boss pedal release. TE2 is so difficult to describe what the TE2 mm. is, but effectively it analyzes all of the input, all of the string inputs, all of the frequency range, and applies a bunch of wacky delay effects. It has almost a sort of wah esque delay sound. Yeah, it's like a filtered delay, but it's also envelope controlled. Mm. Your picking dynamics play a lot into how it sounds. And uh, you can do like a sound hold freeze type thing. Yeah, yeah. so I'd say anyone out there looking for a kind of u- more unique boss pedal, thinking something a bit different than TE2 would be would be my shout. Not vintage. The T2s. But, no, not uh, vid- very cool though. Very, very cool. cool. It's uh, t- Tim, the guitarist in my band. Y- it's a real backbone of uh, of his pedal board. Right. Just the the MS3 version of it, because the Terra Echo surprisingly uh, is on the MS3. I always thought it was a real weird one for to be included, considering sort of the omissions. Uh, like not not that there are things that aren't on there, but you know when you're making a multi effects, you're trying to make it pretty functional so you include all the standards all the things people would normally want mm. so i thought it was always thought it was really strange that the terror echo found its way onto there such a great i think it's such an underrated underrated effect more mm. people need to experience the terror echo i think yeah it is um it is extremely cool the mini space echo is is kind of a cool thing oh, but- too. i mean there's just there's so much good new stuff that i'm sort of like yeah. Yeah, there's some cool old things, and if you're a collector, that's great. But there's so many good new pedals that you can go out and buy. Well, yeah, I mean, let's look at look at pedals that I own that didn't make it onto my final board that are great boss pedals are the uh, the Dimension Chorus, the Wazacraft Dimension Chorus, um, the VB2W, the Vibrato, that didn't make it on, the DM2W, um, that, in my opinion, still the best delay in the world, that, that didn't make it onto the board, um, the Bass Driver, um which is part of the x series mm-hmm. um you know that didn't make it on those are those all of those pedals are pedals that i absolutely love mm. um it's just you know space is at a premium indeed when you indeed well but, uh, but yeah so well i guess uh we said we'd also talk about old electro harmonics pedals so we le- should, yeah yeah let's, we should probably we should move do that. from boss to uh to electro <laughs> harmonics for a little bit <laughs> we should we should yeah um yes it's a it's a good segue into talking about electro harmonics because yeah that's right i can't remember how much we covered on the podcast because we carried on talking about this after we'd stopped recording for a bit last week but um when i started looking around at touchwires and and things like that on on reverb and ebay and I was thinking about vintage pedals. I just remembered this pedal that back when we worked at GAC, I used to, I used to love, and I used to get it out the out of the cabinet in the bass department and plug it in. And every time I plugged it in, I was like, "This is 
absolutely how bass should sound. I loved it so much. And it was the Electro Harmonics Blackfinger. Mm-hmm. Now, there was a Blackfinger. I think we did mention this on the Patreon last week. There was a Blackfinger that Electro Harmonics made in the 70s, which was um, a, a, like an analog compressor. But when they reissued it, um, I don't know when the reissue started, but it was available when, you know, like a decade ago when... when when we were all that gag, mm-hmm. they reissued it as a valve compressor. So the white finger became the the analog compressor, and the black finger became the valve compressor. Mm-hmm. You weren't a big fan of it because I think it came in a wooden box with uh, absolutely no packaging in there, and it had a valve yeah. amount, literally the on the front of the board. We opened a box and it was like smashed, and just like great, um, you know, just it, yeah, just one of those things. I think. Um, the the one I always remember is the tube zipper, um, which was which is the I'd I'd say even to this day still one of the pedals I could never get to sound good. <laughs> um, I always hate saying things sound bad, but it was it was just couldn't get it. I I, I wanted a tube zipper because nineteen ninety nine at some point John Frusciante also had a tube zipper, and I was like, well, I need a tube zipper. Because you know, I'm clearly, you know, um, you know, gotta gotta have what he has, and I could just never ever get it to sound any good. Um, right. Maybe I should go back to it, but now what, just, what was the tube zipper? It's an overdrive. Uh, I like. I've just looked at a picture. Tube zipper, tube maze. Um, <laughs> <coughs> excuse me. It was an overdrive with a um, envelope filter in it. Oh, okay. Um, well, that sounds very John Frusciante. Um, so, yeah. It was a cool little thing. I mean, we're talking about vintage pedals, but I'm looking through this list um, at the moment of just all electro harmonics pedals for sale secondhand. And I'm like, I remember, you know, just seeing a hog here and a pog, especially the first generation pog. I'm like, remember when that came out? It was like, it was just such a game changer. Yeah, nothing had ever been like that with, with all the faders. And it just looked cool as well. I just. It looked cool. I was just like, it was just, yeah. If something like that came out today, it would be absolutely almost standard. You'd expect it now. But back then, this pedal with a bunch of faders on it that could make your guitar sound not like a guitar, Mm. that it was... I'm just looking through this list and I'm like, I've definitely owned some of these and now seriously regret ever selling them. Have you ever owned... An electro harmonics talking pedal speech synthesizer. Is that the? It's a crate. It's a crate like a wire pedal. Yeah, thing. It, I think it was supposed to do the like the idea of the talk box without the tube, right? Right. Yes. Yes. It doesn't have a tube. Mm. There's one on Reverb at the moment for four hundred pounds on the nose available in the UK. I think again, interestingly, you know, you can get those effects out of other things now. Um, <laughs> sure. Not the one that I would pick, for sure. I don't think I've ever owned one. I've definitely heard the sounds of it, because they did another reissue, didn't they? They did the talking machine. Do you remember that? And I think that's probably I, still in the I current line that. of electroharmonics talking machine, and all it did was the kind of A-E-A-O-U sort of rowley type sounds. Oh, yes, yes, I do remember that. Um, yeah. Which was like, yeah, again, like an envelope follow, like an auto wire, but just did those sounds. Um Oh, there's there is an electro harmonics golden throat. Yes, that was the one I was thinking of. The golden throat <laughs> is a talk box that ran in line with your guitar amplifier, so wow. very much like the 
iron lung that they did yeah. later on, which was the vocoder, because obviously uh, you had to run a talk box. You have to run a talk box in between your head and the cab. And it physically takes the load from your amp and blows it into a speaker that's got a tube on the end. You put that tube in your mouth and then you might, and then, in fact, I can tell you this, the whole time I've worked in retail, I've never, ever demoed a proper talk box. I mean, obviously the reason that you, would, would? you wouldn't put something in your mouth and then you've got to be like, you're going to have to buy it now, you've put it in your mouth. Um, but also, yeah, because you had to use a PA, you know, a lot of people didn't get that. But Electromonics were the first one to do like the talk box in a pedal that just ran in line with your right. guitar amp. But yeah, the Golden Throat was very much the, the same thing, but from the the 70s or the 80s. I see. Um, and obviously, so much of the reissued stuff after Electronics went kind of bust and then came back. Um, and, you know, they started to reissue things in the kind of the 90s. Um, I mean, the vintage Electronics pedals I've had, like vintage, vintage. Um, I had the Space Drum from 1977. Oh, yeah, the old Space Drum. What, what did the Space Drum do? Uh, it basically went... Um, every time and did you, you actually it. have to hit it? It was just yeah. it was a thing that you hit. Yeah, yeah, you actually hit it. It was it was a percussion pedal basically. Um, so what's that song? Uh, you can ring my bell by Anita Ward. That is the sound of the space drum. Um, that is basically yeah the guitar sound of uh, the percussion sound in that track. I see. I see. Um, so I had one of them um, and sold it stupidly um it was wicked boss actually did this is a bit of a weird boss pedal boss actually did a series of pedals called the drp series derp uh the drp drp one the doctor pad the doctor pad series from boss these were the original like percussion pads for right. drummers and guitar players and they did a bass drum one. They did like a kind of weird sound one. So like the DRP3 had like glass, cowbell, <laughs> scratch and gong. Uh, then they had one that was just bass drum. And then they had one that was like more snare and synth stuff. Um, because I think, yeah, Boss also had the percussion synth, which again was the same thing. Hit it with your foot or your hand or whatever. Um, but yeah, had a space drum. Um, it was very cool, but it was very janky i guess is is what i would say it just broke all the time and the pots were well, a bit rubbish that's it's, it's yeah electro harmonics um you're getting the you're getting the tones not the bill yeah yeah exactly um i had a 70s electric mistress flanger oh yeah um, which i bought i'm looking at one now they go for 325 pounds yeah I, I had one paid a lot less for it than that but they run on center pin uh center pin positive and what? yeah so they i think they used the little pin but the one i had had been modded take sake. a barrel jack and i plugged the wrong thing into it and blew it up oh. and then was like didn't have anyone who could fix it so i sold it for like nothing uh and someone was like thanks you just needed to replace this part cheers <laughs> i was like ah. um I have also had. Have I had anything else? No, I mean I've had a lot of the kind of like modern big big box reissue mm -hmm. pedals, the Holier Grail, the Holiest Grail, uh, and right now I've got 
the holy grail i've got one of the early v1 holy grails which is really good double muff really good russian big muff have you ever had the deluxe big muff yes had a deluxe big muff as well well what is the deal with the deluxe big muff why has it got two extra controls on it compressor in it (laughs) Um, (laughs) i know because what you need for a big muff is compression (laughs) um (laughs) so it's got their uh whatever they're like two knob compressor is runs into a big muff and it's in a massive massive box it's a huge box the circuit board is for only two extra controls the circuit board is tiny (laughs) um obviously i've got my 74 op amp big muff which i absolutely love but again if you step on it it might it might die Mm um yeah i've had quite a few what about the frequency analyzer? What is that? There are a few vintage ones. I'm looking at, I don't know, they haven't stated the year. Looks like they might be 70s. I think, maybe. Um, I think just the Starbase. There are two, and they're like 170, 200 pounds. They're not a lot of money. Ring modulator. Oh, um, now we're talking. Ring modulator. I mean, if I was going to buy an electronics ring modulator now, I would buy the ring thing. Uh, right do you think that's better it than is the better frequency because analyzer? the thing right. about the ring so the thing about a ring modulator is that you kind of need to tune it to the key that you're playing in um, oh, i see and uh, the thing about by using something like the ring thing is it's got like an intelligent ring modulator in it um i love ring mod i think it's an, an awesome effect and if it goes down slow enough to become a tremolo um you know you can kind of go all the way from trem to kind of like yeah robotic you know um sort of ring modulation which is is Mm -hmm. really cool but yeah frequency analyzer i mean again they just had so much kind of crazy stuff in the 80s they were just churning stuff out Um, yeah yeah i think what sorry i was gonna say if if i had to buy any one electroharmonics pedal now i would buy the 16 second delay that would be the one one for me um that thing they are well you basically never see a original an original one um, right but the one from the early 2000s um is basically one of the first loop pedals i guess you would say it's a looping digital recorder so you have a record and a play button and then you basically set how many bars you want it to be and then you've got like a modulation inbuilt and then you've got like feedback you've got an inbuilt click which is really weird and then a dry out and affected out but the great thing with that is that you could plug it into a foot switch related separately that then had like uh forward reverse um half speed double speed and um it's used a lot by Niels klein um, he does a lot of... Is it Niels Klein? I want to say that's the, the right person I'm thinking of. Um, yeah, Niels Klein. Um, or Nels Klein. Um, kind of amazing kind of um, guitar player. Plays in Wilco. A bunch, doing a bunch of other stuff as well. Played in uh, Big Walnuts Yonder uh, with oh, yeah. um, Terra Mello. Nick Reinhardt. Nick Reinhardt. Um, and yeah, awesome. But that, that thing is wicked he puts it on like a laptop stand and then uses it for like um looping in in real time just kind of like a, a bit like a precursor to the kind of looping functions on uh the dl4 
Oh, I see. Okay, that's interesting. Mm. Hmm. Well, we'll see. I don't. I don't. I don't know what I'd end up with. There is a. There is an old blue seventies electroharmonics memory man going for four hundred quid. Have one of them. Um, oh, you have one of those. Uh, if you're going to buy a memory man, fork out and get the the deluxe memory man because that is that right. is the one. Um, there is one for seven four nine. Yeah, they'd like um, stupid money now. Like, yeah, silly, silly money for and and obviously as well. They're all like, I mean, I've had mine calibrated like three times. Right. right, but when they sound good, they sound really, really good. When they sound rubbish, they are rubbish. <laughs> I see. Which is why, see. actually, again, you know, same as as kind of what we've done. I mean, they're they're much more down the, I would say, um, reissue route. But the the modern mini deluxe big muff. I mean, it sounds so good. You know, it sounds so good. Um, what about the little big muff? Was that that you know that that was uh, a thing? I think the little big muff, single was, control. Yeah, I think it was still. I think there were some trim pots inside, but very much like. I tell you what is good, actually, Joe. And if you can still buy the the Naughties reissue ones, relatively cheap when they come up, micro synth. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I did have one for a long time. One of the reissues that was on my pedal board for a long old time that's the first oh. electromonics pedal i bought i think oh really yeah they're cool um, they were very cool i tell you what i tell you what is good actually and you can again you can buy them for not crazy money more of a modern thing um i think there is a vintage one but you don't really see them double muff oh double yeah muff is yeah. very cool um because it's it, there's just two big muffs that like cascade into one another well, I'm definitely I'm tempted by the the Doctor Q as well. Um, it looks like the Doctor Q goes for not a huge chunk of dosh as well. You can pick pick them up for like there's a 1977 Doctor Q on here for 99 pounds, um, which really isn't bad. Mm. Yeah, I just I'm looking through it again. So many. I think I had a small clone at one point. I mean, amazing chorus. Mm. Yeah. So many good little things out there. So many good things. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I'm definitely not decided on that yet, but we'll uh, we'll I'll I'll keep you updated, dear listener. And if you've got any suggestions, because there are so many electro harmonics pedals, I am I'm 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 interested in suggestions. I want something vintage and electro harmonics that's not ludicrously expensive because I'm just taking a punt on it. So dear listener, please let me know what you think now last week speaking of things that i've asked for your input on dear listener i was talking about getting a new acoustic because i was using these great lewitt mics getting this getting a really lovely acoustic sound for this new project i'm working on with my partner and i wasn't sure what to get wasn't sure what good acoustic to get and i asked for some suggestions um and of course in fairness dear listener they were all very very good suggestions it's just and to be honest guys you should all know by now i'm um i have a very specific range of things that i will entertain i'm not interested in modern things i don't want stuff that's new i only want stuff that's like glossy and in some way vintage or vintage inspired which cancels out an awful lot of the things you know Especially Taylor, who I respect, make fantastic. <laughs> it's a different I, I change to last week, Joe. I think you're a little bit more dismissive early on. <laughs> I, I respect that they make great guitars. Obviously, a lot of people play them, and they're used on a lot of records, and they clearly sound good. 
I think they look awful, awful looking guitars. But a good a point, a, a point. I can't remember if someone made it on the group. A, a very good point, considering my ideals when it comes to this thing, these sorts of things, is that Taylor are actually one of the only companies making very, very eco friendly instruments and being very carbon neutral in their um, in their creations as well. So. You know, not great, but I have not great for me when I, I couldn't possibly bring myself to get one. But I've boiled it down to two choices. It's come down to Eastman and Gibson, um, you, you know, funnily enough. <laughs> of course, it was going to end up being that. But um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm interested in, in feedback again, dear listener, if you can help me out. So... First of all, I was like, well, I don't want to spend too much money. I really want to keep it under a grand if I could. I, after looking around, I've just found out that's just, it's just not possible. I can't get the thing that I want for the price point I want. I've got to go over the thousand pound mark, um, which always feels like you're being a bit more serious, but there's just nothing that's kind of vintage and cool, parlory, you know, maybe like not a light wood that's, that's, you know, available at that price point. Mm. So, so fine, fine. I accepted that. That's okay. Um, Eastman, they do the Eastman traditional, uh, traditional, the E1000 SS00. They do it in sunburst. It has a gorgeous sort of tiger um, scratch plate on it, a little 14th fret parlor. Um, it's £1,200. I can get one for £1,200 off of Peach Guitars, and it is absolutely gorgeous it absolutely looks the part in every way shape and form from videos i've watched it looks like it sounds fantastic the build quality we know coming out of these men is fantastic it's more money than i want to spend but i know it's it's you know it's money well spent so there was that but then i realized well if you're spending 1200 pounds <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the classic excuse i know i know it's such a problem if i spend 450 pounds more um if i spend 16 for nine then i can go to guitar guitar and i can get a gibson l00 studio of course the actual thing that the eastman is very very much inspired by again in a lovely walnut burst um and uh you know like a, a gorgeous walnut back and sides Ooh, everything about the gibson l00 is fantastic it's basically shall i get the guitar that i absolutely want for 16 for now that is a lot of money though that's so much more money than i want to spend or is that is the eastman really good enough doing a very convincing copy of that at the 1200 pound mark i'm not sure so I, I um, where, where would you go I, I just on looks alone um considering they're both sunburst parlors um i i'd go with the eastman really yeah, really? yeah I, no. I just think i think they'd both be great guitars i think you should probably play them and see yes yes uh, which we talked about last time and they're very much doing the same thing but you know i think from a budget perspective and you know it's going to be good i think the eastman think as well the great thing um if you wanted to uh obviously peach offer a plex setup with any guitar if you want it's an extra cost but you can get it kind of super set up if you really wanted it to no oh, that's quite a nice thing um but yeah for me i i think um i'd go for the eastman hmm. go for yeah the eastman. i guess the thing is is 
a Gibson acoustic at 1600 quid is Gibson operating at their bottom end, at their lower end. Um, and at 1200 quid, it's Eastman operating at their more premium end. So I feel like I'm almost. It's difficult, I, though, I guess, You can't, you know, Gibson at their cheapest. It's like. Yeah, sometimes mean? they cut corners, wow. but they cut corners on their cheaper stuff sometimes. That's, that's my worry about Gibson. Mm. But. But the Eastman, I know, is going to be a lot of attention to detail. Yeah, yeah. So w- what we're talking about when we boil it down to brass tacks, I'm talking about the name on the headstock, aren't I? Basically, that's what I'm doing. That's what you're doing. That's what yeah, I'm basically, doing. you want the Gibson because it says Gibson. It's for the longest time again, just to bring it to, you know, bring it back around to what we were talking about earlier. So many people for the longest time just didn't want Boss because it said Boss on it. You know, yeah, and it's, yeah. you know, I think a lot of people go, oh, I can't play that because we've already got a boss pedal or, you know, it's got boss on it yeah. or, you know, whatever. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, oh, could I play an Eastman when I could get a Gibson? And it's like, are they both great guitars? Oh, yeah. It's not that I'm not like, uh, I wouldn't be ashamed to have Eastman on the headstock. It's that Gibson for me still, they're, they're for a large part of my heart. Like they are the, they are still for me the aspirational brand. Yeah. You know, and, and so the, the to be able to spend 450 quid more and get something where i could be like yeah i've got a gibson you know that that that's that that's there but 450 quid more is still a big old chunk mm. you know it's still you know a quarter almost a third almost of the of the price of the of the entire instrument you know yeah. it's uh it's a junk i don't know tell me what you think dear listener um yeah, so it's the the choices, if you want to check them out. I'll probably post them in the group. It's the Eastman Traditional E1000SS00, and it is the Gibson L00 Studio in Walnut Burst. Those are, that's what I've boiled it down to. Um, I think they're both, they're both great. I don't know where to go. We'll see. Oh, uh, yeah. Let's, let's, make it, let's make a few trips, Joe. Let's go and try a few bits. Maybe that's the thing to do. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right um we'll see okay well we are we're coming up to the end of this podcast so we're gonna you know after that we're gonna go off over into the patreon i wanted to probably talk about this ashdown amp there i think so i want to talk all about the cool things that i got to design um or got to have a hand in mm-hmm. on there we said we're going to talk about over on the patreon we're going to talk about what fenders we've not owned but wish we had mm-hmm. so fenders that are maybe passed us by but are things we should look into a little bit more so uh so what should we talk about for this last bit why Matt? don't we talk about the biggest collab to hit guitars <laughs> to hit the world since yeah. um since marmite met peanut butter um we're talking about primark and greg's no um <laughs> also news today but no the news that um Fender have teamed up with Illumination, the film studio, to make some one-of-a-kind custom shop Minions Fenders. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of Fender hardcore, you know, Fender traditionalists going, oh, this is crazy. Um, it is for charity, so come on. Um, uh, it's all going to, yeah, sort of all all proceeds from these this very limited run of Master Build and very gorgeous, like, fun, extreme guitars. Yeah, all very, of going to very fun, very, um, very extreme. Um, oh. But, you know, you know what? If it raises a lot of money and makes more people play music, exactly. then I think that's a good thing. But interestingly... It's going to the... All the money's going to the Fender Play Foundation. So... Rest assured that you know every penny raised is going 
to the bonuses uh, for Fender uh, at the end of the year. Yes, indeed. Um... <laughs> no, no, it's 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 a wonderful. It's, yeah, the, the Fender Play Foundation is great. It's an organisation that's aim is to equip, educate, and inspire the next generation of players, and that is a very cool thing. Yeah, so it's uh, in part with the. Um... It's in part, yeah, for uh, Minions, The Rise of Gru. Um, I think Minions is now... I read something the other day that the Minions movie franchise is now, like, one of the biggest franchises in, like, animated film history. Wow. Um, I bet Pixar are well annoyed. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Pixar have got the stories and what you really needed was... Um, some characters that just look like little yellow beans um, you know yeah. who needs who needs depth and character um, when you've got minions um, yeah interestingly I think the first minions film has done something yeah minions the film minions 2015 budget of 74 million raked in 1.159 billion at the box office good lord um absolutely mental um so yeah i think it's it's good and that that just means that there's just a lot you know out there yeah, there's going to be a lot of uh, people out there who want to support do this kind of thing um and let's talk about the guitars because the guitars are so they've, they've basically made uh, by kyle mcmillan he's made a minions strat um, it's kind of like a red strat with like minions inlaid logo. It's Dakota red. It's the Stratus Stewart, so based on the minion character Stewart. So it's covered in lots of like a. It's Dakota red strat, but it's kind of punky. Yeah. It's the punky I mean, minion one. I'm going to put it out there. I like the minions movies. I think they're absolutely fantastic. Um, who doesn't love uh, Steve Carell playing, you know, Gru, the evil villain, and the minions are just funny. Yeah, good watch. Um, and yeah, the three main minions. Um, so you've got the Strato Stewart. Um, so like you say, the punky Dakota Red um, kind of strat. Matching headstock. Matching headstock. And yeah, minions inlays um, at a cool 48,000 US dollars. Oh, I mean, look at the flame on the no, neck no, on the back of this. It's absolutely bonkers. Um, these are like the creme de la creme of like fender builds um <laughs> it also just happens that they've got um amazing minions artwork and design you've then got otto's moon base uh which is a p base which yeah it's like a 51 ish p base so it's a slab body p base but with a split p base pickup in no the volume no tone it literally looks just like oh, i didn't realize that there are no controls no controls and then the upper um bout is um has got like it's is acrylic and it's got a minion in it um <laughs> which is uh which is absolutely brilliant so the auto moon base is fifty thousand dollars uh built by Ooh. master builder ron thorne <laughs> Uh, it's a seven-piece, snap-together older body that can be taken apart and reassembled. <laughs> um, absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, so it looks like they were designed by people that work for the... F oh, no, Luminosity is created designers, so I was blown away by their initial concept as an understatement. Yes, yeah, so I think there was the film studio involved in that. There then is the Cosmic Kevin, 
Um, which oh. is so I think the new Minions film Rise of Gru is set in the 70s uh, Thundercat has done an amazing single for it actually very very much of that that kind of vibe oh yeah but this is a acoustic which is really interesting obviously for a Fender Dreadnought yeah Fender Dreadnought acoustic in the master built by Gonzalo Madrigal I think that's probably how you say that um, so it's got a carved headstock um the top is kind of like a burnt wood sort of minions theme, and it's got like some seventies like block graphics um, on the back, which is kind of cool. Um, and yeah, it just looks like a really awesome. It looks a bit like the Crash Fender Crash um, Eric Clapton guitars they did with matching. Oh yeah, caps. I remember, remember those. those. We had one in Gak once. I think it was like twenty thousand pounds or something. And it says minions in a kind of like wavy 70s vibe all the way down the fretboard. And then I carved a minion in the logo. Um, wow. And then finally, and actually, I think personally, my favorite is the King Bob, uh, which is the ukulele built by Dennis Galushka. <laughs> It's um, this it's the most elaborate and it's the most ridiculous. Even the case, dear listener, is, is ridiculous. It's like a plush red velvet. So this ukulele, the sound to so say you've got King Bob, Bob Minion, um, with his crown, and the holes of the crown are the whole sound holes of the of the uh, ukulele, <laughs> custom painted uh, by a freelance um, artist. Uh, I'm just trying to have a look at some of her work. I think she's just a. I think she's just done a bunch of custom paint. Sarah Galenberg. I think she's just done a, a bunch of custom paint stuff for um, right for Fender. Before I just realised the acoustic has Kev in massive letters in like seventies um, kind of yeah vi- multicoloured vibe. Uh, and yeah, and then you've yeah you've got the king the king Bob. The ukulele though is uh, is an eye watering fifty thousand dollars. Um, which I, you know, I get the other expensive, the bass, certainly the bass, the guitars, uh, the acoustic, the ukulele. But then again, I'm like, it's not being priced for the money that's that the work has gone into it, is it? It's being priced as like super high end collector's pieces for people who buy the most. Yeah, you know, yeah. The, the acoustic is the most expensive. It's seventy one. I, I honestly, I think it's more of a. I mean, there's obviously there's there's marketing things in this, but I think it's more just like look, there'll be someone out there that's going to buy a one off Fender, um, and you know why not? If you're a multi billionaire and your kids love minions, or you love minions then uh, this is the thing for you. I've also just gone on the website, Joe, and it's asked me, would you like to buy now 10% off your first order? I'm like, oh, $7,000 <laughs> off the first one. I'm like, maybe. In fact, you can't actually buy on the website. You have to contact Fender directly to buy. Um, oh, that's a shame. The Cosmic Otto's Moonbase um, also comes in the best hard case I've ever seen. Uh, it's a molded hard case that is basically space themed so it's just got like pictures of the galaxy in it uh that's um i'm in i I think these are great i think it's great they're doing it charity (laughs) the king bob ukulele if i had a lot of money 
I would buy a £50,000 ukulele for a music <laughs> charity. But I'd have to have a lot of money. <laughs> I see. Um, but there we go. This um, There we go. The Minions. Uh, do you know what? It's funny. I, we haven't talked about Fender custom shops for so long. We always used to talk about Fenders and what custom shop would you buy and what custom shop would you spec. And I was just thinking about it the other day and, and just seeing some on the website there. And I was like, we haven't talked about custom shops for ages. And I think it's just because we're not in a store and talking about the cool ones that are coming in and things like that. I also think it's because a lot of the things that we wanted from a custom shop became available in FSR and Fender just broadening out their range. Half the time, Matt, when we talked about custom shops from Fender, all we really wanted was a few more colour options. And they've really opened, you know, the what what they do there. It's it's so the standard line is just so good now. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um so there we go. But um, there it just go. goes to show the power the power of big movie franchises and teaming <laughs> up with huge, um, you know, huge instrument manufacturers. Yeah. Anything can happen. Fender. Exactly. Fender going from strength to strength as being, you know, the biggest, most important guitar company in the world. Absolutely. Very good. Well, that is all the time we've got on this week's episode. You can, of course, dear listener, join us over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds. You can become a Patreon supporter for as little as a dollar a month. At the dollar tier, you'll get this episode ad free and early every week. Five dollars gets you access to our Patreon special episodes, which we're going to go record now and the entire back catalogue of those. Ten dollars gets you the lot. Plus, I sing you my thanks at the end of every week. Find us on all your favourite social media platforms. Join the Guitar Nets group on Facebook and get involved in our weekly episode discussion. Thanks for listening. You've been lovely. We've been the Guitar Nets. Farewell. Bye. Yeah.
Yeah.